Welcome to the Epic Agent Success Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Weaver and Jacoby Kendrick. This podcast is dedicated to newer agents in the business who want the fast track to success. 90% of agents fail in their first year of business. Our goal is to help guide your journey away from the common mistakes most agents make and help you grow and build your business to epic levels you know you're capable of and desire. All right, welcome to the Epic Agent Success Podcast here with my good friend and co-host Jerry, ready to get this thing started. This week, we're going to be talking about joining a real estate team. The question is, should you and what are the qualifications or what should you look into if you're thinking about joining a team? Because this teams are like more and more prevalent now than they have ever been before. Here's what I have found when talking to people that are thinking about getting into real estate is they don't even know what teams are. Like they just think that like a team is a brokerage. Um, And so this whole idea of team is pretty foreign if somebody's not in the business or connected to somebody in real estate. So when you are getting your license, the only thing you're thinking about is what brokerage do I join? And so this idea of teams is foreign to somebody who isn't connected to real estate, but that's just getting into real estate. And so I think like today, I want this conversation to kind of break down and bring some clarity to that. Cause I know when I got into real estate, I had no idea what a team was. Yeah. Whenever I got into real estate, I wasn't thinking about a team or not either. So all I was thinking about is selling houses. How do I sell a house? What's the, who do I need to go talk to? And then, yeah, you're exactly right. You you're looking at the brokerage or the broker Usually when you talk, especially to new agents, right? They want to know who the broker is and what brokerage are they going to hang their license at? And so I was recently just had a conversation with an agent and he was like, well, uh, where's the broker at? And who's who, how often am I going to be able to talk to the broker? And so, yeah, that is a good point. It's like, there is some distinction between like, what is a team, a brokerage and how all that stuff lays out and a single agent. What's the difference between a single agent and a team? So what are your first thoughts on that? Yeah, so the first thought is just bring some clarity to what's the difference between a team and a brokerage. And so a team is a model that, um, you know, I, I don't know when teams started, but, I you know, it's more like I'd say in the last 10 years, teams have become really popular, agents wanting to start teams. And so you have a broker and then inside the brokerage, you have agents. And then inside of that, like agents can start teams. And so you can have agents that come work on your team under the umbrella of the brokerage. So that's kind of the the distinction. Um, And what that means is that your caps and your splits or how the money, how the pie is sliced is changed within that environment. Yeah, it's a really good point. Basically, yeah. I mean, I I agree with every single piece of that uh, that you said there. And really the question I think is once you break it down and like, what is a team? Because you have two options, right? Whenever you come into a brokerage, you can either be a solo agent and go on your own, or you can take the option to actually join a team. And probably the real, the real thing to kind of break down is what are kind of the pros and cons of joining a team versus doing something on your own? Like what are some of the pros and cons that you kind of think about as far as joining a team or or starting out on your own because when you started your career you didn't join a team you just started selling on your own why'd you why'd you decide to be a solo agent versus uh joining a team i didn't know there was an option uh in the brokerage that i was with there wasn't you know they didn't promote teams it was not a real team environment 
And so I just thought I was doing it the way that it was designed to be done. So you come in and, you know, you get uh, a little bit of training from the broker, but not a lot. And they have some classes that kind of make sense, but don't make sense. Um, and, you know, they tell you they're going to give you all this stuff. And in essence, the it was just basically I was on my own, solo agent on my own uh, without a lot of direction. And so it was a couple of years before I realized that teams were even a thing. Uh, I think one of the big questions is when we, when you talk about, do I join a team or not is what's the value that a team brings, like you said, but even to back it up a little bit, are all teams created equal? Yeah, I think that's a real good question. Whenever I first came in, I, I didn't know what teams were either, but I quickly started getting recruited by teams, which is kind of interesting whenever I, whenever I started to join, I, and then I went down a route of where I, I had a team that I really liked that I was thinking about joining. They had a really good process. I started going through the process with them and, uh, you know, went all the way up to the point of basically making the decision on, are you going to join the team or are you not? And then I decided that, uh, that I didn't, that I didn't want to join their team. Really good process though. And they're, they're a real, uh, they're a, uh, one of the top teams here in my area still there's, but going to what you said, like our, wait, what was the question you asked? Are all Are teams, all teams created, created equal? equal? And that is an absolute positive. No, yes. all brokerages aren't created equal either. And so the team that I, and that's part of the reason that sparked me to say that, you know, I actually, I actually uh, interviewed with a team, the team that I interviewed with, man, they're, they're really good. I think they, Obviously, I don't know because I didn't end up signing on with them, but there are some teams here in my area and especially talking to agents now that are on those teams. uh, A lot of times they've been promised things that don't actually come to fruition, you know, or maybe even not even that they're promising things that don't come to fruition. Uh, The agent and the team have different ideas of what certain aspects of the business mean. And and really what I'm getting down to is like training. Everybody tells you that they have training, right? But when I'm talking to these agents, even talking to them about coming onto our team, what what I'm coming to find out is that teams are telling them that they're going to get trained and they're not actually getting trained. And so that's really probably the one thing that really sticks out to me. And that's really the thing that I saw as I as I started in the business and really that I see on a on a whole is when people tell you they're going to train you, I come from the Air Force. And so we do training all the time. The Air Force knows how to train people like they got you got computer based training, you got on the job training, you got training after you get done with your on the job training. Basically, your life is training, getting ready for war. And so I know what training looks like. And so, uh, you know, that is something I think that is not very prevalent in our career field. Yep. One of the main things that when you're getting in the into real estate and as you're kind of moving, if you're switching brokerages or if you're a solo agent going to team, uh, the very first thing that most agents are going to dis- want to discuss is what is the cap and what are the splits? And so what a cap is, a cap is that fee that you pay the broker, your cap for the year. And so it ranges anywhere from, you know, there's low end caps at different brokerages, you know, three, four, 5,000, all the way up to, you know, 30 plus thousand, depending on where you're at in the brokerage. So it's like, so that's the cap. And then you have the split. 
And numbers that are thrown around are like 80, 20 or 70, 30. And what that means is for every commission you close, every deal you close, you collect a commission. And if you're on the 80, 20 split, that means that 20% of your commission goes to the broker and you keep 80 and the broker keeps collecting the 20% until you reach your cap. So I would say on average, you know, uh, you probably find like 15, 18,000 is probably an average for a cap. And I would say 80, 20 is really common in the business. And so for every deal you close, 20% goes to the broker until you get to that $15,000 cap. That is the main thing most people want to talk about coming out of the gate. And that is a conversation that is, you know, 40 years old. Then on top of that, uh, other brokerages charge some fees. So if you're with a if you're with a brokerage that is a franchise, they're going to have a franchise fee. I've seen it anywhere from like three to 6%. Uh, and then on top of that, sometimes brokers have a transactional fee that you have to pay per deal. And so you have to start looking at all these fees. And so and that is if you're a standalone single agent with a broker, that is a pretty typical model. Now, when you go to a team, it's similar, but you're, you know every team member is going to have a cap inside of their brokerage and the cap is usually i would say on average half if you're in a team your cap is half with the broker but you are now not only doing your split with the broker you have a split with your team and so why would anyone want to join a team and still have to pay the broker but then also pay the team leader to be on the team uh therefore reducing their commission like well you know, that is the big conversation. Yeah, 100%. And then even if, and then if you join a mega team with EXP, your split is only $4,000. So even, right. even better, you know? Yep. And so uh, then you get 100% of your cap. And so that, that is, those are usually the conversations that are going around. I think the real question is, is how do you evaluate all of that? How do you figure out what, you know, because when I talk to agents, they don't, a lot of times they don't do the evaluation of, what all of those things mean, right? And so, uh, for instance, you know, you, you said a um, if you don't have a split, for instance, uh, there's a lot of flat fee brokerages out there that just charge, you know, a, a fee for each transaction, and then once you hit a certain amount, then uh, you're you're free to have 100% of your commissions. There's a brokerage going around right now in my area. It's like. 100% commissions or something like that yeah. because you only pay a, a flat fee. Well, the thing is, is that a broker cannot provide you any value if they don't have any revenue. And so that's really the thing you have to think about is what type of team and what type of brokerage do you want to be a part of? If if the broker is not bringing in any money, if you're not giving the brokerage any piece of your of the revenue, they can't provide services to you. The way I like to think about it is just like with your property taxes, right? If your if your city did not your your property your tax rate at least here in Texas is based upon how much uh, the city services cost the city, and so for more city services you pay more tax, and so it's the same way with your with your commission, right? You don't pay any you don't pay anything to your broker, you get no services. <laughs> Yeah, we have these brokerages similar to you. They're 100% or they're like really, you know, $2,500, $3,000 a year capped. And yet they come out and they say, oh, we're going to 
give you leads. We're going to train you how to get leads. We're going to train you how to convert. We're going to, you know, provide all these services. There's just no way possible that a brokerage can do that without revenue. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's totally fine, right? So the thing is, is I'm not bashing any of these brokerages or anything like that, but you need to know what you're getting into whenever you actually do that. So it's like, yeah, we're going to give you leads. We're going to give you a system. We're going to give you a website. Well, the thing you don't know is that all of that, all of the stuff they're giving you is vanilla. <laughs> like it is straight vanilla. It's not going to be anything that you're going to be able to do anything crazy with, right? You're not going to be able to uh, differentiate yourself with that. And so, with that being said, then you would have to take your resources that you kept from not uh, giving it to the broker and use that in order to differentiate yourself. So, the thing you just have to know is that you know, you're instead of the broker and all that giving you the resources, now you've got to do that on your own. And then the question is, do you have the capacity to do that? Do you want to do that? What's your time worth? And is it really worth the, you know, worth the squeeze on that end? So that's I, really how you, I think you evaluate those, that piece there. Yeah. But I did that for eight years. Uh, basically I was with a low fee brokerage. It was like, I think it was $3,000 cap. So basically my first two deals, you know, out of any year I was capped and therefore I was a hundred percent commission from that point on. But then I had to turn around and pay for everything. I had to pay, you know, for any marketing or advertising they want to do my signs, my business cards, any, you know, any online presence that I wanted um, all this, you know, any of the support systems like my CRM uh, you know, anything like that came out of my pocket. And so I had to sign up for, uh, you know, these various things. And then I just paid for them. Um, as an individual agent, you don't have a lot of leverage in getting systems and processes, right? Cause you're kind of just, you're, you're doing it on your own, you're recreating and you're basically trying to piecemeal together a business. So as a single agent at a brokerage, I'm in essence, my own business, right? Um, but it was hard to treat myself as a business, as one person, um, in trying to piecemeal all the tools and resources together to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah, it's interesting. There's another agent who's in my uh, who's in my uh, my group, and he kind of had the same same experience that you did. Whenever I came in, I came in with Weikert, and Weikert is a, I mean, they're just they're like a big franchise, right? So you pay an eight percent royalty fee on every deal. Plus you have your split, but with them, you had every single system that you needed, right? Like I already had, I had a back office system. I had a marketing system. I had uh, a presentation, a listing presentation to use. I had a buyer presentation. I had all of the, all of the marketing that I needed. And so for, from my perspective, when I first started out, it was uh, really interesting to hear you all's perspective when you didn't have when you don't have anything. Right. And so when you're starting out, that stuff is really, really helpful, especially in the beginning. If you have no experience at all, really, really. I mean, they had scripts, they had training, they had everything. Um, but it really came down to uh, how does how does your brokerage deploy all of those in the franchise? How do they the franchisee? How do they deploy all of those resources? Right. And so, um, you know, my personal experience was I, I wanted to do my own thing because I, you never know when a company's going to go down or when something's going to happen or something like that. So I always wanted my own where I could just unplug and plug to somewhere else. But 
really, really good resources. But in the end, you start paying an 8% royalty fee and then you don't have a cap. We didn't have a cap at that brokerage when I was there. And so at the end of the year, I was the top performing agent at the brokerage. And you start to look back at your cost of sale and how much you paid the broker and all of that. (laughs) And that's when you start going, oh, I need to open up a brokerage. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was me. So I was at this, I was at the low fee broker, right? Like, it's five. It was five thousand. That's what it was. It was five thousand a year and cap fee. So that that's really low, really nothing. But yeah. you, he also charged a three hundred dollars per transaction fee, and that was non negotiable with him. And so that last year, I did seventy two deals. I paid twenty one thousand dollars in those three hundred dollar fees. <laughs> On top, you know, so plus it was 5, the, oh, 000. it's a low fee brokerage, but I still. It was like twenty six, twenty eight thousand dollars. I ended up paying in that year, hundred percent. Yeah. So you know, it all kind of just all showed itself. So that's kind of the broker model. And then you know, on the flip side, so you have the team model, and then a team model are all teams created equal. And so, what is it that you are looking for, or what would you suggest somebody look for as they're looking for a team, and maybe what to uh, avoid when it comes to looking for a team. Yeah. So even when I, I, I gave that example of when I first came on and I only interviewed with one team throughout from my whole real estate career since I've started. The reason why I interviewed with them is because I liked the team leader. Right. So the leader of each team is usually has a team leader is uh, the leader of that team. Right. And so the thing you need to look at, number one, is you need to look at the team leader. I would look at that person, number one, as a person, and then number two, as a real estate agent. How good are they as an agent? And then uh, after you look at them on from that standpoint, that doesn't even tell you if they're going to be able to run a good team or not, but that does at least tell you that they're a good agent, which is the start. And then next on the team, you need to see if they have training, right? So training is number one, because you need to be trained. You need to know how to go out and and actually sell real estate. Number two is processes. Do they have processes in place? Because the training is good, but if you don't have the processes in place to actually implement the training that you've got and to be able to help you do more deals, then that's also, you know, another issue. And so I would say leadership training processes and then uh what does their staff look like what does the support team for that team actually look like too do you like the people that are in the support team do they work as a team because the value of being on a team is so that you can go out and close more deals and have a life really essentially is what it is if you if you don't have those things you might as well do it on your own you might as well be a solo agent rather than give away part of your commission and so the value is in, you know, having the systems in place, the team, the processes, and then the support team to be able to uh, help you get done what you need to get done. That's why I think it's super valuable to find out and have an understanding of what kind of money do you want to make in this business? Like, what is it? What is the goal for your income? And that is not a, a conversation that takes place inside of our industry. The conversation that takes place inside of our industry is how much, what, uh, what's your GCI? How much gross commission do you want to earn? It's not how much money do you want to make. And that's why I love our process for when we're talking to new 
our newer agents, that's one of the, in, in the first five minutes, I want to have a handle on what is their expectation from this industry from an income standpoint. And as that, is that something that's going to line up with our team? Is that something that's going to line up with the broker John with? And is that going to line up with what I think we can provide? But having some clarity on that income, uh, what are you looking to make is a big question that I think is consistently overlooked in our industry. Yeah, you're 100% right. And and I did that for a while, right? You start getting all pulled into the awards and like who's number one and being number one in the yeah. state. And, right up yeah, on the shelf. Exactly, right? And, but you, yep. you pull all these numbers and then you look up and yeah, you don't know you either one, you don't know how much money you made or you haven't kept any of the money that you've, that you've gotten. Right. And so that is the, that is the number one key is articulating. And the other part is, is not even about the money. The other piece is your time, right? Time in real estate, you lose a lot of your time just going around and doing deals. And so, you know, time is one of those intangible things that you really need to look at that we don't evaluate because if you only look at splits, you know, yes, you will take home more of your money that you do on a deal, but you could be losing valuable time. You know, we talk to talk to agents all the time about we had um, I mean, there's guys they'll come on and they'll do like, you know, 10 deals, 10 deals with us. And then, you know, they they probably brought in like three of the deals and then they'll leave and say, well, I could have made more money if I would have done these deals on my own. Well, yeah, that could possibly be right. But the question is, do you just want to keep as much of your money as you can? Or are you looking to become a professional in this industry? Because in order to become great at anything, you have to do something multiple times. You have to be you have to be held accountable. You have to have you have to train in order to get good at anything. And so if that's not your goal, then that's fine. But if that is your goal and you want to become a professional, you need to be on a team that can help you do as many deals as possible. That's going to remove the roadblocks for uh, not doing money-making activities. So you can only be doing money-making activities. So I think that's the biggest distinction between teams is what is what can they offer? How can How can they help you as an agent do more deals? And so what are some of the things, you know, like right away, I think, you know, a good team is going to, one, they're going to provide you with some leads, right? They're going to, so they're not going to want you necessarily pounding the phone. And this is something that you and I have had a lot of conversations with over the last year. Like what's an agent's job? Is an agent's job to get on the phone and call for sale by owners and expireds? Or is an agent's job to work with uh, work with potential clients? And you know, I, I would say my philosophy on that has changed in that I'm not training agents any longer to make those phone calls like that. I'm training them to work with clients. And so how can we get clients in to a good agent's hands so they can service them? And so does the team provide you with actual leads for clients? That yeah, is the, real... the number one thing that a, a good team will do. Yeah. The real distinction there is, right. Everybody's going to tell you they're going to give you leads, but. Everyone. No, you, you didn't, you didn't hear him right. When he said, everybody's going to tell you they can give you leads. Everyone's going to tell you they can give you leads. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly Everyone. right. So if you're, if you're a new agent listening to this, actually, if you're an agent at all, and someone tells you they're going to give you leads, the question you need to ask them is what kind of leads or 
what is a lead to you? <laughs> because the type of lead that you give an agent, there's two agents, right? You have an outside sales agent and you have an inside sales agent. And when most people think of themselves as a real estate agent, they're thinking of an outside sales agent. They're thinking of showing people houses, writing contracts, those sorts of things. And so if someone tells you they're going to be giving you leads, you need leads that an outside sales agent is going to go on. And that's the lead who has requested a property showing or they actually want to go out and look at a house and they're going to transact in the next zero or one to 90 days. That's the type that is an actual lead. If you have uh, someone who's not going to transact in you know 90 days and they're a little bit longer out and they're a nurture, I would say that's probably a prospect, you know, and so we're always prospecting and doing that. And that is a uh, lead quote unquote, if you're not watching, I'm doing air quotes. That is a lead for an inside sales agent. That's for someone who's going to nurture the relationship, who's going to do that long term. And that's really the number one key thing that I see with agents that, you know, for one, they're not they're not selling as much as they want to, is that they just don't have that follow up on those leads that aren't going to transact in the, you know, in one to 90 days. That's the the future business is the problem, right? It's not the business that's here right now. It's, hey, man, I talked to that guy, but I didn't follow up with him. I didn't keep up with him. And then he went and he bought with someone else. And that's an invaluable, that is valuable. That's something that a team should be able to uh, bring to you. And they should be able to articulate how they're going to do that for you. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of teams out there. I've had a couple conversations with team leaders. And unfortunately, when I first started thinking maybe I wanted a team, I was guilty of this. I'm talking with agents to get them to come on the team because I want, you know, when I want to give them some support and bring them some value, but really what I want is, you know, what I wanted was their business. Like I wanted to be able to help them and teach them a skill on how to go to their, their personal circle or their sphere of influence and how can they extrapolate business out of that. And I'm going to show them that. And as part of that, I'm going to get part of the split. And so it wasn't about what I could give them. It was about what I what they were going to bring to the team, not what I was bringing to them. And it wasn't until I made that distinction as a team leader that it wasn't about what they were bringing to me. It's about what can I bring them and how can I help them succeed that I really felt comfortable in building the type of team I wanted to build. Yeah, over the last couple of years, I just really realized what an actual lead is. You know, there's so many agencies out there telling you they can give you leads, they can do this, they can do that. And that is true. You know, they can they can provide you with a whole bunch of people that have uh, clicked a button and want to see some pictures. But uh, that's not actually a lead. So that is probably the number one distinction for, you know, everyone is what I would say is that the quality of the leads that someone can give you and how can they articulate that to you? And then can they show you the results of that from the other agents on their, on their team? So if, if they're going to give you an example of someone else on their team, you know, selling a lot of houses, you need to see what the source of that agent's deals are. Are they from their sphere or are they actually from the team? And so that's really the key is, are you going to be able to be successful because the team is helping you close deals? The next section, then the next part or part two of being a great team is so you have your lead, 
uh, up to the lead. And now you've converted the client. So what does that process look like? And the way I view it is, it's from a converted client. That means you either working with a buyer or a seller and you've got their, you either got the listing for if you're working with a seller or you've taken a buyer out, shown them houses and you put them under contract to purchase. And so from that point to closing, that is like the next thing, the processes that a good team has in place makes a world of difference for you as an agent. If that team has solid processes for that whole contract to close period. Yeah. Once you sign the contract and that's the other piece that's, Mm -hmm. that's really important that that's really the difference you know, the two key things are number one is having people to talk to, having lead, having people to actually show houses to. And then the second key piece for being a really an agent that does volume is what you do, what happens after you sign the contract and actually, uh, you know, hand that, hand that off. And so for, if you're on a team, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do, you shouldn't really do anything after you after you sign a contract. I mean, that's literally all you should do. So we talked about money-making activities and, you know, contract to close is not a money-making activity. That is a servicing the client activity. And so, yep, you hand it off, it should go to a transaction coordinator or it should go to your to an assistant and they coordinate the repairs and the amendments and extensions for closing, closing gifts, they coordinate all that stuff. So you don't have to think about it. Yes. And also uh, handling all of that paperwork, uh, handling all the communication with all the different vendors from inspectors to communication with the other agent, communication with the lender, communication with title. Um, that is quite a process. And whenever you have a transaction that's going from contract to close, somebody's hand needs to be on that every day. And it really is a disservice if the agent is the one whose hand has to be in that jar every day. Yeah. I mean, you can do it if you only have one or two transactions, right? So I, I, man, we're, I'm talking to agents all the time now. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, everybody shouldn't be on a team, right? So everybody shouldn't be on a team. I was talking to one agent and she's, she's a mom and she actually likes doing paperwork. Right. So she was like, I only plan on doing one or two you know, if I did one deal a month, I'd be totally fine. And so you can actually do one deal a month and serve people at a high level and actually do that, you know. But if you want to do, you know, 36 deals, 48 deals, 50 deals, if you're especially when you get past 50, that is a disservice to your client. <laughs> I mean, because you cannot be taking people out, knowing what to do, because that's at least four deals a month that you're having done. And we know everything's not equal. So you're probably got six or seven in one month and then two in another month. And so the month that you have seven deals, something is falling off your plate. Like you're not getting around to everything. I remember, I can't remember what year it was, but it was, I did 54 deals with no assistant or transaction coordinator, Uh, like 36 of the 54 or 38, like a high number of the 30 of, they were buyers. And at one time I was working actively with 19 buyers. (laughs) <laughs> that year was so insane. Like I did great that year, but man, did I work. It was seven days a week for the, for the most of that year. And uh, that's was the year that wait, this, this is not, this is not a sustainable model. Yeah. You can do that for a while, right? Yep. And that's what we're talking about where the value of the team comes in because you get burned out. 
I mean, that's that's just kind of what happens. The other thing that happens, I realized I needed a transaction coordinator whenever I had. I don't remember what year it was, but I know it was in April. It was in May. I don't know what year, but I just know it was May because the summer was coming up and I had nine deals at one time. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, I am an assistant right now. And then in and then in June, I had absolutely no sales because all I was doing was processing the deals from the from the month before. And so that's why we have this yo-yo effect in real estate, because you put everything under contract and then you service all of those contracts and then you weren't doing anything to build new business from that point on. And the next month is like a yo-yo. Right. And so if you see someone who does a lot of deals, but they are like one month on, one month off, one month on, one month off, you know exactly what their issue is. They're not, they don't have a team or they don't have a process in order to help them, you know, get everything serviced. So if you had to go all the way back to the beginning and you were looking at, and you knew what you know now about teams and being an individual agent, how would you handle it? Yeah. So I would still be an individual agent for myself. You know, the only thing I would do is I would hire a transaction coordinator earlier. That's what I would do. Yeah. See, I would, I would join a team. I would find a good team to go work for and really just plan on buckling down with that team for a couple of years and really just soaking in everything that they're doing, uh, become really skilled at, at the art of being an agent and then take it from there. Uh, and sometimes, you know, there's there's teams where agents stay on the team forever. And um, I don't quite understand that. But I, you know, I also get that, you know, not everybody's driven by the same thing. And the way I look at it, like I always thought this is how I think. And this is where how I came up with that. If I had to leave my market and uproot myself and go to a new market and didn't have any contacts and it was a brand new area, a team would definitely be the way to go. Go into that market and find the best team to go work for who's got the best support system and jump on board and start raking in the deals. That's how I would do it if I were to move that's, markets. That's good, man. That's yeah. really good. I don't think I would ever join a team, man. I don't think I would. I just, yeah, I just, I couldn't, I'm just, I got to be the leader on the team, you know? So for me, I would have to lead it up. I was, I will tell you though, whenever COVID came or whenever we had the uh, whole COVID thing, I do, there is, there are a couple of situations where I would join a team <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is uh, whenever I know we talked about it, whenever COVID happened, you know, they were talking about how uh, certain people were essential and certain people mm-hmm. weren't. And so I was actually making a plan. I know, I think it was in North Carolina or somewhere where they were still letting people, you know, do, do real estate. And I was like, Hey man, I will, I will go and get my real estate license in North Carolina. And I know people in North Carolina and I would go join their team because it would be a temporary thing for me. And then, you know, I know I could add value to them and get in real quickly. I'm sure they've got, you know, people that aren't, that they need to help have help serve them. And so I would definitely plug into a team. That was one time that I was actually thinking about that. I was like, man, I might have to leave my family here in Texas fly out and live in North Carolina and start sending money back to Texas. I was really thinking about doing that. Well, that's where my philosophy shifted was during COVID in that model. Like if I had to uproot and start over, then I would join a team. And that goes back to when I first got in the business, there would have been a ton of value um, in joining a team 
uh, right out of the gate because the fees I ended up paying the broker and that was really irrelevant. Um, the support I would have gotten would have trimmed my learning curve significantly. Um, you know, as an example, like I was in the business literally for two years before I'd even heard of Tom or Mike Ferry before I heard, before I even knew there was a thing called scripts or prospecting. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to have a listing presentation. Like I was literally just winging it every, you know, every time I went out with a buyer or a seller, like I had my own little process, but I had, you know, I, I, I was winging it. And so a team would have cut that learning curve down drastically for me at the beginning of my career. A team would do that for sure. And here's the other reason why I didn't join that team. And our our experiences are are different, which is probably why I wouldn't join a team is because I started out as a wholesaler, right? So I started yeah. out. So I already know how to source. I already know how to source deals, you know? And so for me, if I didn't know how to find people that wanted to buy and sell, I 100% would join a team. Like that would be what I would do to begin but because of the way I started my real estate career, I started off finding distressed sellers. And so my background and my DNA and who I am is I just know that I could go anywhere in the United States and find someone who needed to sell their house, you know? And so if you have a deal, then you have, you can, you can make money. And so that's the only reason why I say I would never join a team because I had that skill set before I even became a realtor. But if I had no skill set, no nothing. I literally came from a different career field, had no knowledge of <laughs> the only knowledge I had was the real estate exam, which teaches you absolutely nothing about selling real estate. Then joining a team is absolutely the way to go. That's the big question. Join a team or not. And uh, if I am, if you do decide to join a team, making sure you pick the right team. We really appreciate you listening today. If you have any questions about joining a team, should you join a team, not a team? You want to just even just throw an idea by us or a question by us, hit us up. A great place to catch us is on our Facebook page, the Epic Agent Success Podcast. We really appreciate you listening. And if you got something out of this, we would love a five-star written review that always helps us tremendously on getting this uh, podcast out into more agents' hands. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Epic Agent Success Podcast. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you've received value today, we hope you'll give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Don't forget, we love sharing our experiences and offering tips to agents looking to grow. So come join us on our Facebook page, the Epic Agent Success Podcast, and stay connected.